Hello, this is Angela, and you're listening to my podcast, Springs of Zion. Welcome, and thank you for joining me today. We have been discovering that we have been hearing the roar of Judah. The roar is the lion of, of God, right? The 12 tribes all came from the 12 sons of Jacob, whom the Lord later named Israel. And we are spiritually, prophetically Israel when we read the Bible. When Joseph's older brothers sold him into slavery, it was the beginning of a long, painful separation for the family. But after they were united, Joseph's father Jacob promised to compensate for Joseph's years of separation by adopting two sons. And these two sons became two more members of the tribe of Judah. And um, they were called Manasseh and Ephraim in Genesis 48. And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine as Reuben and Simon. They shall be mine. When Joseph's two sons were counted as tribes in the place of their father, we now have 14 tribes. But we subtract a tribe, the Levites or Levi, because God chose them as priests and they did not receive any territory or land in their inheritance. Instead, they were among all the other tribes, just as the teachers and the priests. Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number, nor take a census of them among the children of Israel. So we really have 13 tribes. And if you look at the Last Supper, there are 12 apostles and Jesus, that makes 13 to represent the 13 tribes. During Passover, the 13 tribes represented themselves as the regular 12 tribes, and then the Levites serving as the priests. So it's important to the Lord to use the 12 different literal tribes to comp- we're told this in uh, Revelation, because there's 12,000 from each tribe to make the 144,000. So the 12 tribes of the Old Testament are based on proportion of population. That's how much land they were given. Judah was super large and Benjamin was really small. So God divided the promised land amongst the tribe according to their proportion of their population needs. So let's look at the names. Could it be one of the first and most compelling clues that there must be some hidden spiritual meaning behind the tribes? Because let's look at Revelation 7. Revelation 7 tells us that um, the tribes are important. First, we have Joseph and Levi are included, while Ephraim and Dan are left out in Revelation 7. I mean, that's a little weird, right? Well, because the names are symbolic and they mean something. Dan should be a serpent by the way, a viper be by the path. Genesis 49:17. It could also be the name Dan means judge, and the 144 are a special group who are sealed and vindicated at this point in Revelation. As far as Ephraim, the Bible says, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Hosea 4:17. When I first started this journey back in, oh gosh, I want to say 2019, the, um, I kept hearing, you're an Ephraim, you're an Ephraim, you're an Ephraim. And I didn't know what that meant. 
It meant that I, and this is probably why I had to fast for 40 days of everything. I got, I mean, all the idols in my life. And I didn't even know they were idols. Like things that I held between me and God are considered idols. And I had to get rid of them all. These were the Ephraim. And then the Lord moved me to, um, so I was in that tribe and I didn't realize it. And then I moved, he moved me to the city of Ephesus. So it's kind of cool if you're paying attention. God is doing this. This is a spiritual journey as well as territories on the map. And, and I, thought, I think this is interesting too. I found Reuben is firstborn is listed as second, while Judah is the fourth, but listed first. So to order the names really matter in Revelation, God's trying to communicate a special message to us. When Jews name their babies, the names nearly always meant something about the character of the child and the time that they were born. And the wives, Jacob, Rachel, and Leah, proclaimed a statement during the meaning of the names that they were born. And you can read this in Genesis 29, 32 through 35. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called him Reuben. For she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has given me a son. And she called him Simon. She conceived again and bore a son. And this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called him Judah. And if you continue reading about this, these prophetic statements are all through Genesis in this chapter. The names of the tribes listed um, in Revelation 7 of the 144, it's kind of cool, the meaning. So I looked up the meaning of each tribe. Now check out this remarkable part. When we line up the meaning of their names, Judah means I will praise the Lord. Reuben means he has looked on me. Gad means given good fortune. Asher means happy am I. Uh, (laughs) Nevatal, my wrestling. Manasseh means making me to forget. Simon means God hears me. Levi means joined to me. Ishtar means purchased me. Zebulun means dwelling. Joseph means will add to. And Benjamin Benjamin means some son of his right hand. So, Here's the encouraging message. This is our spiritual journey to become the bride of Christ. If you add all these in a sentence, I will praise the Lord for he has looked on me and given good fortune. Happy am I, my wrestling. God is making me to forget. God hears me and is joined to me. He has purchased me a dwelling and will add to me the son of his right hand. The order of the names is really our struggle, our redemption, and victory until our ultimate marriage to the Lamb of God. I love the Word of God so much. It's so encouraging. But I want you to look into this for yourself. I posted this to my devotion part of my blog. And my blog is fruitsofthevine.blogspot.com. And you can read it. So this moves us on to our next part of the divided kingdom. You see, God has told us, if you can hear the roar of Judah, then you belong to the tribe of Judah. 
the first tribe. Being a Christian is more about living with a heart towards God. The lion stands for Christ's resurrection, and the lamb stands for Christ's sacrifice. To live both the reflection of the lamb and the lion, we must be born again, or our soul must be regenerated to fully join the tribe of Judah. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe. Judah, your brothers will, shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the necks of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a young lion, my son. You return from the prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes and the allegiance of the nations is his. He ties his donkey to the vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He washes his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth are whiter than milk. Genesis 49, 10-12 All who belong to Christ are spiritually counted in the tribe of Judah. Read that for yourself. Read that verse. Judah, your brothers, you shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the necks of your enemy. God is speaking to us through these the scriptures. Our Jerusalem is from above. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we are the kings and priests in this holy nation, set apart special people. I trust you're familiar with the New Testament now, with everything we've gone through to recognize these truths without me having to provide chapter and verse for you. Well, Israel came to represent something quite different than Judah. Israel are the other tribes. Although Judah came out of Israel, it's definitely stood apart from Israel. We see the church that Jesus is building in his tribe is called the Ecclesia. He's the head and we are the body. But the church that man is building, it, <laughs> it's part of the divided kingdom. And when I say church, I mean believers. Today, I want to share a dream about the divided kingdom and the journey each of us must take to find our way to the heavenly Jerusalem. This is a spiritual place. This is not a city here on earth. This is Jerusalem with God. So in my dream, I was traveling to pick up supplies with my truck and trailer when I got a call from a friend who was an elder of his church. I respect him deeply. I drive up his rough road and end up crossing this metal bridge that was very narrow. I couldn't drive any further, so I took great care in parking. I knew others were going to have to pass by my rig, and I'm on this narrow bridge. After parking, I head down this narrow, <laughs> again, boarded path towards his house. Along the way, I pass a building, and inside I look in, and it's a nursery full of sleeping babies, probably 20 of them in these little cradles, but one of them was awake. I continue on to enter my friend's house. He and his wife are an elderly couple, and they have a lot of friends, and their friends are visiting. Their living room is large and full of people. Immediately, I notice everyone is holding a baby. And these people, they don't know what to do with these babies. These babies are upset and no one can console them. I realize this is why I've been called. Their cries are getting louder and no one in the room knows what to do. 
I could see right away what needed to be done, and I quickly picked up the first baby, swaddled it, rocked it a bit, and ever so slightly sang a little lullaby in its ear until it fell asleep. And I began consoling each baby like this, repeating the process over and over until every single baby was asleep. And just as I was about to leave, one baby woke up. But one of the ladies in the room quickly picked up the baby, repeating my steps, and went, the baby went back to sleep. A lot more happened in this dream, which I might have to share on a different time. I'm not sure how the Holy Spirit's working, but he is working. <laughs> so there were lots of babies in my, my dream and in my journey, and they all needed protection and care. And just before I woke up in this dream, I heard, you have everything you need. So to interpret the dream, we must understand that the babies are believers in Christ who belong to the tribe of Judah. The elderly people are the mature believers in the body of Christ who belong to the tribe of Israel. Because Israel's plans are different than the tribe of Judah. The metal bridge represents our refinement of our soul and the course of courage it takes to cross over the bridge to the narrow path. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah, 2 Chronicles 17. The wooded path represents our heart as we travel to the city of Jerusalem in heaven, where we belong. The path takes vulnerability to become inhabitants of love and to carry love for others. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, in that you have removed the wooden images from the land of our heart and prepared your heart to seek God, 2 Chronicles 19.3. The meaning of my careful parking, and I had a truck and a trailer, is how much we have to humble ourselves in order to, it, to enter the city of Jerusalem. This is a lot of humbling, a whole truck and trailer full. When we humble ourselves and come before the Lord, we are allowing God to show us our obstacles and hindrances and our stumbling blocks and the things that are keeping us outside the gates or the tribe of Judah. I was super concerned about making room for others to pass. This is a sure sign that your soul is being re regenerated when you think about others. The nursery full of sleeping babies, but only one is awake. That's the spiritual awakening. And it reminded me of the verse in Isaiah 52. God redeems Jerusalem awake. Awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Lose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captain, daughter of Zion, captive daughter. For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money so beautiful. The crying babies are broken souls, working to be regenerated, crying out to God. Just like those of us afraid to appear vulnerable, as our world says, being vulnerable is weak. That means you're stupid. That means you don't know anything. But the elderly people in my dream failed to console these babies. Why? Because the methods they were using are not of God. This could be religion, false teaching, false doctrines. I don't know what methods they were using, but they had to call me 
because I actually knew and had been born again. However, by calling on me, those my dear friends had humbled themselves to admit defeat and were open to new methods. So I feel like God is saying, those people who've been duped by false teaching, false doctrines, or even believing that they're born again and know now that they're not, because the church has told us, oh, the minute you receive Jesus, you're born again. That is not even close. We have three and a half years of trouble to go through. (laughs) I was the willing vessel. So God used me. That's how this works, right? When we're willing, God's spirit guides us and empowers us. I was, this wisdom actually allowed me to comfort these babies. So when we're in a situation and people need godly wisdom, if we pray, Holy Spirit will come and use our words our mouth with his words. And it doesn't matter if you're a mature believer or not. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. We just have to humble ourselves and be vulnerable. What a beautiful imagery of God, don't you think? I mean, we're told by Peter as he defends the disciples in uh, Acts chapter 2 that Joel prophesied about the anointing. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people, Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men, women, and both, and they will prophesy. I'll send wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, and the sun turning black and the moon blood red before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous. And whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. In Christ, in us, and we abide in him by humbling ourselves, allowing the sanctification of our flesh. We truly do have everything we need. We don't need to search for it and we don't need to work for it. We just need to humbly sit at the Lord's feet. This is entering the tribe of Judah. The king went up out of the house with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites and all the people, great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which have been found in the house of the Lord. Second Chronicles 34, 30. I love this, you guys. It's so, it's so beautiful. If we say we're born again, we do truly abide in Christ and we are in inhab- We get to be in Jerusalem. We're not looking or longing for a new anointing through the laying of hands or being anointed by all oil. This is false teaching. If you're still searching, why? Ask yourself, maybe you're not really born again. And it's okay because God is doing a thing right now. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3 3. Maybe you're born again, but your mind is still in the world. And so that blocks the spirit. You have not renewed your mind with God's truth. You have to do more of God's truth. You have to know just his words in the book of the Bible, in the great book, to be redeemed. Maybe your mind is full of false doctrines like mine. For years, it never occurred to me to seek God for myself. Instead, I looked to man's opinions, man's findings, and man's experiences 
Somewhere along the way, a terror was sown, and I began believing these lies. Special anointing, special preaching, a certain mantle, a special this, that, and the other thing. In truth, we don't need anything special. Our special gift comes directly from God. The Word of God tells us the Holy Spirit abides in His fullness inside of us. However, if we don't feel the fullness, then we need to really be truthful to ourselves. Holy Spirit will speak to your soul. And this is the form of deception. If, if you don't hear it and you don't think there's anything wrong, or you do know there's something wrong, but you can't get past the stumbling blocks, this is the deception spoken of in God's Word. Are you living a dece- deceived life? Second Peter, Peter says... For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they are lure through the lust of the flesh, through the lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. That's part of the reason why we're lured by these fake people all over YouTube. Because we have not experienced our born-again, regenerated soul. We just have to pray to God. We have to surrender. And all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. 2 Thessalonians 2.10 We actually are living in our flesh. We can't receive the truth. And the only way we can do this is through the move of God. He said to Sam, um, 1 Samuel 3, and he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide from it. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all things, he said to you. We can't hide from God. He already knows everything. We have not filled our minds and our souls with his word. Once we begin filling our minds with the word of God, we begin to live and do the word of God. It's a natural thing. Any of the things that you're having struggles with, once you're born again, you don't have those struggles. That really is when you see testimonies of people who are immediately off drugs or, I mean, that's just one sin. There's so many. I mean, just gossip. If you're a gossip and you can't stop yourself, it's because you're not born again. I mean, a sin is a sin. God, all sin is the same. It separates us from God. If our minds still seek the desires of our flesh, then we're not born again. And we're not, we're not in the tribe of Judah where protection. I mean, we need, instead of praying, don't come, judgment, don't come, we need to be saying, come, judge me, God. Let, uh, let us be tested by his fire. It's time to get out of Egypt, you guys. We actually need the hot coals of the furnace to convict us of our sin. I mean, our flesh is so fleshy. Let it burn away. Burn away your flesh and all the baggage that's must go. Beg God to do it, and he will. And then you won't have a divided kingdom anymore. The divided kingdom is self-denial. A divided house can't stand. Can you see why we need to welcome this fiery furnace? This is how we get free. We confront our flooding devils of emotions harassing us. The enemy of this world wants to scare us by telling us judgment's coming. Listen, you guys, judgment is here. Look at the world. Look at our cities. Look at our children. Our children are the fruits of a broken, separated vine. Our kids want to change their, their sex, their identity. 
I mean, come on. Families need to humble themselves before the Lord. We are such a prideful group, aren't we? I just looked the other day that um, the number one killer is not a sickness. It's abortion. One million abortions a year are done. Can you imagine how mad God is? If we're living like the eagles in Ezekiel 7, serving a kingdom that's not protected by God, Ezekiel describes the kingdom as Babylon. And Babylon overcomes the tribe of Judah. You guys, we are the tribe of Judah. Go read chapter 17 in Ezekiel. It's amazing. Our, our, the way we've been taught, this is not what we've been taught. Everything in the Bible is specifically for our hearts to be overturned. I'm sure there's prophecy. Don't get me wrong here. But if you read the book for yourself, you will be transformed. The babies in my dream are crying and cannot be consoled. The metaphorical approach is saying, in your infancy, you're separated from God, you guys. In all the ways in which babies were being consoled, not a single one helped. The elders had no idea. They were applying a counterfeit, a lame replacement of God. We have talked about the counterfeit spirits, the trinity of the devil. That re- that That's what the world listens to. The devil owns this land. That's the voice. Until you're born again, you can't hear the voice of God. You're listening to the kundalini, fake spirit, blah, 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 blah. I'm telling you, I feel this with my whole being. Jesus, the Son of God, is the healer and deliverer of demonic strongholds. If you want to hear His voice, you want to hear the true Holy Spirit, you got to go through the fiery furnace. Let it all burn away. Everything. And in your infancy, you started out separated. This is not something you've done in your life. Okay? If we're struggling every single day over the same problems year after year, and you can't stop, it's because you don't. You're not born again. Even if they told you, oh, you received Jesus, now you're born again. No, you have open gates now. This is like, this is like opening hell because we love Jesus. We want to be with him. But you got to go down that fiery trail, that find that narrow bridge, park your car and go over the board, get a new heart. The power of the flesh, we need to get it to stop speaking. It has made us a prisoner. Have you ever watched small children? I didn't really understand this raising my own children. We're born to serve the flesh. I mean, as a mom, all you do is feed, change diapers, and rock babies. It's exhausting. Of course, it's beautiful too. But babies are soul filled. They are filling their soul. And sadly, we have an entire culture like this. Our society encourages this soul-filled, self-soothe, self-medicate, self-indulge, self-self-self to the point where we have become our own little gods. We don't need God. You guys, there are only two teams, the team of darkness and the team of light. And I'm sorry, you are deceived. If you're not deceived, then people in your group are deceived. The majority of people are so self-absorbed, they're fueled. Their self-absorption is fueled by fear. Take a look at our infants. They're scared. 
When a baby cries, they're afraid. We can't be on both teams. We got to pick a team. And if we want God to step in and save our nations, I mean, because look at the plagues. First, it was sickness. I mean, read the book of Revelation 11, chapter 11. The, the plagues are caused to come upon the wicked. They're caused to torment us, to make us repent. Should we consider these problems we're facing today as plagues? Absolutely. They affect every nation. The sickness plague, the plagues of our leaders being corrupt, the plagues of our food being so expensive. I mean, this could be the famine, right? Our school systems teaching false doctrines, trying to be the parents of our children, teaching them who they are, even though their sex is is designed by God the second they're born, they're trying to change. I mean, our corruption in our religious leaders, one after another, are being taken down. You guys, uh, my prayer is, Lord, turn the wicked or burn the wicked. Do you agree? Are you on board with me? Are these modern day plagues? We have to be praying. Over the last few years, the fear has been the obstacle for God's people. God sent these plagues in the Old Testament to judge his tribes. He used plagues to draw his people back to himself. We must confess our fear. James 5. Go read the book of James. If you are living in fear, your Holy Spirit is short-circuited. Your spirit does not connect to the Holy Spirit. Adam and Eve hid themselves from God in the garden because they felt unacceptable. They had so much fear. They heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God among the trees of the garden, Genesis 3.8. How do you present yourself to God if you're unacceptable to yourself? If we present ourselves to God with sincerity, that means we've turned away from our sinful nation, nation, yes, nature, and we have confessed our fear. A fallen man goes looking for special leading, a special word, a feeling, a confirmation from someone other than God. Because, let's face it, he can't face God for himself. The whole point of the nakedness in the garden is to reveal our sin. This is the message. Can you receive it? The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go as we read in the Old Testament because Jesus came. Holy Spirit dwells and abides in us unless we send him away. We are the problem. We send the Spirit away in our ignorance. The Holy Spirit is not an energy or a feeling. Holy Spirit is the comforter and the spirit of truth. If we do not receive the truth he's nudging us with, then we are we're listening to our flesh. When we live according to God's will and act upon his word, then the Holy Spirit will empower us, just like me in my dream. I'm not that great with babies, I'll be honest. But when we accept his truth, he comes. If we reject his truth, he's sent away. If you're getting a nudge right now and God drops something in your spirit, confess it. In my dream, it was the Spirit of the Lord working through me to console the babies because I'm not that great with babies. 
I'm, I, I mean, it was a struggle for me. I didn't understand. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 13. We should be seeking and studying how to live a godly character life, a holy sanctified life. This is the empowerment of God. This is the freedom of the tribe of Judah. Stop wasting your time looking for the Holy Spirit. Through the sonship of God, you are given continuous leading of the Holy Spirit every single day. You are worthy. Grasp this concept. Receive it. Every time the enemy comes, say, I don't believe that. I rebuke that. That is not true. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. You have everything you need. Read that. Go back and read my blog. You have everything you need. When the disciples received their baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, it sounded like a strong wind, and they were able to do what Jesus commanded them to do. They were given and possessed everything they needed. This is Acts 2, 1 through 4. I'm going to let you go read that for yourself. There's only one anointing, and your soul must be regenerated. And if you look up the word regenerated, it means born again. And it means a um, no doubt, an accurate usage in, is also narrow, the narrow road. When we're born again, we're no longer separated by God. We're fully His. We belong to Him. We have no doubt. And we believe we carry His anointing. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You have been made holy and righteous and have the Holy Spirit inviting you to accomplish His work. You are His yielded vessel. Hallelujah. I've been reading a lot of Charles Spurgeon and the soul winner is full of his preaching, um, what he preached. And what, what, here's one I want to share. A far greater work must be done before a man is saved. A wonder of divine grace must be wrought upon the soul, far descend, transcending anything which can be accomplished by the power of man. God has to do it. Of all whom we would fain for Jesus is true, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. God's work through his Holy Spirit regenerates your soul. Then you're able to love yourself and you're able to love others. We become worthy of the Lamb. This is the great work. This must be done to be saved. If this work is not done, we are not saved. Evidence of loving others, even when they hurt you, is a true sign that you are a new creature of Jesus Christ. As I was writing this post through the leading of the Holy Spirit, I did some research about the tribes, which I shared here first. It is truly remarkable what God has done. I mean, He's an amazing God. He does it. We just have to humble ourselves and admit our vulnerabilities. And then, as prisoners of our own soul, we become free. It's like, to share this voyage of regeneration, it doesn't happen quickly. (laughs) It's a slow burn, you guys. Just like Christian in the book uh, Pilgrim's Progress, we must trudge through the muck and mire toward our destiny to the royal palace before we're born again. We just have to let go and let God and know 
that he is on the throne reigning. He's going to use the plagues. They're going to keep coming, you guys, because there's not enough of us for Jesus to come back. We need to be washed white. Our garments must be white in order for Jesus to return. So I hope you're encouraged. I know this got a little long today. Just praising God that we are part of his tribe of Judah. Okay? Find the divided part of your kingdom within you and let God burn it away. Take care. Bye-bye.